Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. And I really love those. I miss revivals, but you know, we'd have an evangelist come in for like a week and and, you know, Monday night was always like healing night, you know, faith night, healing night. And um, he, he, he was doing his altar call, and a bunch of people came up front for healing, and, and I didn't go. It's like I kind of felt like, you know, everybody, all like the older folks and everybody else's needs were kind of more significant than mine. And my mom, like, turned around and looked and was like, you need to go up there. And it's like, sure, you know, I'll go. And I was literally like the last person in the line, and, and when he got to me, he started praying for me, and I felt warmth come over my collarbone. And, um, you know, like I felt a, a major difference. And I went the next day and got an x-ray. It was completely healed up. And what I, what I thought was cool, too, is the doctor had told me that it, it completely had calcified over. So God used what was already in my body to heal me. That was that was super cool. Like so, the whole thing was calcified over. Now I broke it again, and you can kind of play with it a little bit. Now it moves a little bit, but there is power in the name of Jesus, right? It, and that works, and it's still present today. Some people will will tell you that it's not, but I'm a, a living testimony that it is. And I can give you a, a whole laundry list of reasons why I should be dead, and I'm not. And it all has to do with the fact that there is power in Jesus' name, and, and it's very real, and it's, it's for us today. Amen. So anyways, without further ado, let me see if I can get this open tonight, too, um, without Red's help, hopefully. As I continue to make fun of him, I'm still having problems with this thing. Oh, I think I figured it out. Let's see. Oh, maybe not. Anyways, the title of tonight's sermon is going to be The Watchman, and we're going to be out of, um, I always have trouble saying his name, Habakkuk, or something, something weird. I, I, I went to Bible college, and I still can't pronounce his name correctly, but um, Habakkuk chapter 1 and chapter 2, and in the meantime with me stalling, I, I figured it out. Um, I'm going to open up with a, with a quote from one of, uh, one of my favorite dudes in history. Anybody know who Winston Churchill is? So he was the prime minister of of England during World War II, right? And there was actually a guy before him, and he was a pansy. He was weak, right? And so Europe was coming under attack, and this guy's like ready to surrender like the whole continent of Europe to Adolf Hitler. And Winston Churchill's like, no, you know, we can't do this. And so I'm going to read this quote. It's one of my favorite quotes. It says, to, to each there comes in their lifetime a special moment when they are tapped on the shoulder and offered the chance to do a very special thing, unique to them and fitted to their talents. What a tragedy if that moment finds them unprepared or unqualified for that which could have been their finest hour. And that's, that's an amazing quote. And when I think about Winston Churchill, I think of him as a watchman. Right, he was there in his his country's time of need, and and his quote really fits him. You know, he he had that special talent to lead his country. But if he wasn't willing to be a watchman, you know, he never would have seen his finest hour, and and his country would not have seen their finest hour. And ultimately, 
it could have led to a, a major downfall in, in the world as we know it today. But Winston Churchill was there. He was prepared. He was ready. It's because he had been studying. He knew what he was doing. And, you know, he was a watchman. So as we read into Habakkuk 1, though, uh, Habakkuk is a watchman, but there's a lot of things that, that he complains about, too. So what are some things that, that we complain about in everyday life. You know, we complain a lot about work or maybe a spouse or time. You know, I don't have enough time to do this or that. You know, we complain about a lot of things. And as we read in Habakkuk, we're going to learn that he was really no different than us. So here's Habakkuk 1, 2. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you, violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? And see, I'm going to stop right there for a moment. It, we can see there's a lot of self-centeredness, you know, in what Habakkuk is saying here. Like, why do you, why do you cause me to see this? Why, why am I having to go through this? You know, he's not showing a, a real concern for anyone else but himself. Uh, for plundering and violence are before me, right? He, he's very concerned about himself. There is strife and contention. Therefore, the law is powerless, and justice never goes forth. And here he is going to an extreme. And how often do we go to extremes when we're complaining? Right? You know, he says, and justice never goes forth. You know, you, you're never here. You never show up. And, and we go to those extremes, too, when we start complaining about life and complaining about things. And, and he says, therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. So the, the world is, you know. It's complete catastrophe. It's terrible. I hate it. You know, so he's on this big extreme. The big idea tonight is that we must stand watch and be ready even if we feel like complaining or even if we are complaining, uh, we still have to stand watch. So here's, a, here's another long list of complaints. Uh, or actually, this is, uh, I believe, the, the response. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will a work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. So this is God's response to Habakkuk's complaint. Actually, I'm going to wait on that for just a minute. But Habakkuk lists a series of complaints. Um, he complains about the length of time that God's been away. You know, like, I'm not seeing you move. You know, where are you? Why aren't you doing these things for me? You know, God not being there. He complains about God not being there. And he has evident self-righteousness. You know, he really thinks he's something. You know, and, and then he says there's no justice anywhere to be found. And then God's going to answer this by saying, Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. So here what, what God's going to do is he's going to raise up a people called the Chaldeans. Um, and they are very similar to the Babylonians, and, and they ended up uh, assimilating into the Babylonian culture. And I can't remember if it was last week or the week before I uh, preached about um, Belshazzar. Right, that he was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His kingdom would be divided and it wouldn't stand. Uh, what we're going to see here in Habakkuk tonight is that uh, God is going to promise Habakkuk 
here, and this is, this is way before the time of Nebuchadnezzar or Belshazzar, God is going to promise Habakkuk that he's going to divide uh, the Chaldean and the Babylonian dynasty. And, um, and that's going to be really cool. Um, God and uh, Habakkuk have this kind of tit-for-tat back and forth. You know, uh, Habakkuk complains, God answers. Habakkuk complains again, God answers. Habakkuk complains again, and God answers again. And I think it's cool that God gives us that grace and that liberty, you know, to complain. You know, we see that in Psalms with David. He's constantly complaining, all right, about everything that's going on. And God gives us that grace, and, and he's gracious with his replies to us. Let's look at uh, Habakkuk 2.1. Habakkuk 2.1. So even though Habakkuk is complaining, you know, he's upset, um, uh, you know, ultimately what's going on is the, the Chaldeans are, are controlling, you know, uh, the Israelites, right? We, we see all the time the Israelites are always, seem to, seem to always be in some kind of captivity. Um, and here again, he, he's been complaining, he's upset about what's going on, but yet, you know, he says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. And watch to see what he will say to me, he being God, and what I will answer when I am corrected. So even though he's complaining, he's upset about the way that life is going, Habakkuk still says, you know, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to be on watch, I'm going to be on guard. You know, people need me to be watching. You know, I'm God's chosen, you know, leader for this time period. People need me to be watching, even though I'm complaining even though I don't like the way that the things that I see, I'm still going to watch. And so that's, that's the big idea. We have the liberty to complain. God's, God doesn't really get angry at us, uh, you know, until we get to a real extreme. He gives us liberty to complain, but he's saying you still have to stand watch. You know, you still have to attend to your duties. You, you can not like the things that you see, but you still have to keep watch. You, you don't have an option. And, and here we we see that Habakkuk, uh, he waits on God, and he doesn't skip out on his duties in the meantime. So he keeps watch, right? He's not, uh, he's not not keeping watch just because things aren't going well. And how often do we fail in that area? You know, do, do we stop keeping watch just because things aren't going well? We do a lot of times, right? You know, we skirt our duties because things just aren't as we think they should be. And so we just give up or we move on. We try something else. And God's telling us tonight, no, you have to continue to keep watch. So Habakkuk, uh, he expects to be reprimanded, right? He says at the end of this, and, and what I will answer when I am corrected. You know, he's waiting. He's actually eagerly waiting on God's response to his complaint, but he's wanting to hear from God. Even though he's complaining, his heart is actually really still in the right place. You know, he's wanting to be corrected. God, you know, show me the error of my ways. Where am I wrong? You know, help me to keep watch. And so, uh, as we see in, in 2-1 again, um, he's, uh, he's standing uh, on, a, on a tower, right? That's kind of the setting, um, and that could mean like a separation from other people. So as he's on the tower keeping watch, he's, he's separate from the rest of the people. And this gives him uh, time to be 
alone with God, right? So there's times in our life where as we're keeping watch, we need to separate ourselves from other people. And we see this in, in Jesus's ministry, the most critical points and in times of Jesus's ministry, he was completely alone and by himself, right? Getting to, getting to understand the father's heart, what the father wanted him to do. And that's where Habakkuk is when he's watching, you know, you don't watch when you're among a crowd. You know, you watch from a distance. You get the bird's eye view. And that's what Habakkuk is doing here. Let's quickly uh, look at Ezekiel uh, 3.17. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning for me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. You know, so if you fail to keep watch, that guy's death, uh, eternal death, is your fault. You know, I will hold his blood at your hand. And that's, so that's an important task, and, and we, we think... You know, and, and it is true, the New Testament gives us a lot of grace, right? We're very thankful for the cross, the New Testament. But at the same time, it also uh, makes our task even actually harder in many ways because now because of the New Testament, we're all watchmen. You know, so this is all of our responsibility now. It's not just Ezekiel's or Habakkuk's. We're all watchmen. And so if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, people's blood will ultimately be laid at our hands. And, and I don't want any part of that. You know, I don't want to get to the end of my days and realize that I didn't do something that I needed to do. And so tonight, God's just reminding us, separate yourselves. You know, keep watch. Keep watch over your family, over yourself, but also other people as well. It's very important. And like I said, we see Jesus separate himself several times as well during his ministry when he was seeking the Father. You know, we see it when he's tempted, right? But, but all those days before the temptation came is what, a, you know, obviously he's God, but that's ultimately the model is that he was prepared, right? What do you think he was doing all the days that he was out there? Was he just like sitting by the fire looking at it? No, he was, he was getting prepared for when that temptation was going to come, right? He was being filled with the Spirit, Right, that's, and that's where we need to be. And we think about Winston Churchill. You know, he was prepared for what was going to happen. And that, that's where Jesus was. He was prepared for when that temptation came. And so when it called, you know, because he had been keeping watch, he was able to make it through. But without that, he would not have. Let's look at Habakkuk 2, verse 2. And we're just going to break down a few of the verses, make a couple points, and then uh, will be done, ho hopefully rather quick, but we're just going to look at a few of these verses. This is a really important part of Scripture. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. So there was a common practice in this day of, of writing in very large letters so that someone running by could read it. Um, it could also... Uh, it would also happen if, you know, you were trying to send a warning message. 
um, you know, it would cause the reader to run quick to, to warn others. And so Habakkuk is writing it down here, obviously, to send a message so people can read it, right? And it says to make it, make it plain so it was easy to understand. Habakkuk wasn't trying to sound really intelligent or complicate things. And, and sometimes um, some of us have, have problems with that. We, we try to make things seem really complicated and, and, and puff up ourselves. But here God is, is clearly saying, hey, you have to make it easy to understand. Make, make it plain so that people who are even running by really quick you know, can see it, can understand it, and, and can take it to heart. The written word allows us to see God's hand through Habakkuk and in the future generations. And so the fact that he wrote this down, you know, we have it now. Obviously, we're, we're reading out of it tonight. So uh, the written word allows that. So when God gives you a vision or gives you dreams or speaks to your heart, you need to write it down, right, so that you can remember it. How many of you have a problem? I have this problem, like, if I have a thought popped in my head, if I don't write it down, I forget it, right? So, I mean, that's just, that's a really simplified version of this, but, but we have to write things down that God's speaking to us and so that we can use that to communicate with other people. It's very important that we write that thing down. We make it clear. We make it easy to understand. Um, Another another uh, thing from history, I, I like history, so if you talk to me, I'm going to talk about history and, and things like that. I'm sorry if it bores you, but you'll have to deal with it. Um, there's a, you'll have to deal with it. I get to talk, so <laughs> at least for a minute. Um, there's a guy named Thomas Paine. Anybody ever heard of Thomas Paine? Maybe? No? Yeah, probably not. So he was actually a founding father of the United States, but he's not overly popular uh, for a few reasons, but... Um, he's actually one of the main reasons that the colonies declared independence. And he, he wrote this thing, and you might have heard of this, called Common Sense. Right? So it was a pamphlet that was distributed through the 13 colonies. And a problem that a lot of the people were having is the men of this day were extremely intelligent. I mean, they were really lofty, had a lot of crazy ideals. But, you know, the common farmer... He didn't really want independence. You know, he, he couldn't understand why he needed independence. And so Thomas Paine comes along, and he, he makes it really easy to understand and makes it clear, and he, he writes this pamphlet called Common Sense. And Benjamin Franklin ends up publishing it, you know, in his newspaper, and it gets distributed around. But without Common Sense and without Thomas Paine being there to make things clear and and easy to understand, we might not be here today. So that's just, that just popped in my head. But you know, when we're communicating with people, when we're trying to share Christ with people, it doesn't, you know, we think, I don't really know much, or, you know, I don't know how to do this. It doesn't have to be a overly complicated thing. In fact, here, God's saying, you know, make it, make it easy to understand. You know, you don't have to come up with this big convoluted message of salvation, you know, God just saying, share, share me. You know, that's, that's all we got to do. So, yeah, we just need to make it, make it easy to understand. Let's look at uh, verse 3. And this is kind of the central verse of, of this section of Scripture. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. How many of you know God's word does not lie, right? And it will not return void. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. 
I think that's a little bit of an oxymoron, right? It says, though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. It's kind of interesting, like, hmm, what exactly does that mean? We'll get to that in a minute. Um, the appointed time here, like I said, that he's talking about is, uh, is in Daniel chapter 5 with Belshazzar. Um, and this comes, I honestly don't know how much later, but it definitely comes later. And God here is promising restoration uh, for the Jews, right? That, that I am going to divide the Chaldean kingdom. And, and we see that happen under Belshazzar. And, and at the end, it says, it will not tarry. If any of you remember... The, the writing on the wall, right? The, the hand comes and writes on the wall. And then that very same night, Belshazzar's boom, he's done. He's killed. And it says his kingdom was instantly like divided up. And, and that's what it's saying. You know, it will not tarry. So, you know, when that appointed time comes, like I'm making it happen. You know, it's, it's not going to have to wait any longer. I have a time set up and boom, when that time arrives, I'm making it happen. And so if any of you have a, a dream, a vision, a promise that God's given you for your life, you know, when that appointed time comes, it will not tarry. You know, the same principle applies. And we just have to, we, you know, we talked about frame of mind last week with forgiveness, right? Having the right frame of mind. And that applies here too. We have to have the right frame of mind, the, the right perspective on this. And and a lot of times we only see, you know, what's right here. But God's saying, you know, the appointed time may not be yet, but I have an appointed time, and when it gets here, it will not tarry. So here we see God's prophetic work in action. And that's cool. We see Scripture lining up with Scripture. Right here, God is, is prophesying it's going to happen, and later in Daniel chapter 5, we see it happen. And that, that's cool. We can see that in Scripture. It's pretty sweet. So it all goes back to the fact that things are happening that we can't see or we wouldn't believe. You know, what did, what did God tell Habakkuk, you know, in the opening complaint or God's response to Habakkuk's complaint? I'm doing things in this day that you wouldn't believe, right? So you know, why God, you know, some of his complaints are like, why aren't you saving me or why aren't you telling me things? And ultimately, it's because a lot of times we, we wouldn't believe it. You know, if, if God was going to tell us, we wouldn't believe it anyways. And so he has a series of events that happens that, that lead to that appointed time. But when it happens, it will not tarry. So our time does not equal his time. You know, Scripture says, you know, for your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Right? So he's on a, he's on a different time schedule um, than we're on. And like I said, it seems to be an oxymoron where it says, uh, though, it, though, it, um, though it tarry, it will not tarry. That's kind of an kind of oxymoron. But God speaks in this way because we think something is tarrying even when it isn't. I'm actually about to switch mics here. This But like I said, God speaks in this way because we think something is tearing even when it isn't. You know, we often don't have the right frame of mind. So God is saying, when my appointed time comes, it will not tarry. You know, you might think it's tearing. It might seem like it's tearing. 
But when my appointed time comes, it's not going to tarry. You know, the time that I've established, it will happen instantly. I've got a time picked out, and that's that. And like I said, we see that with Belshazzar. You know, when, that, when his appointed time comes, that's it. He's dead that night. God's timing is perfect. When the appointed time comes, like I said, the plan will not tarry. So similar to how, like I said, how we've discussed having the right frame of mind with forgiveness, we must also have the right frame of mind here as well. We must understand that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Even when we think we're really, really smart and we've got it figured out and, you know, God, why aren't you doing this and God, why aren't you doing that? You know, he's saying, hey, hold up a minute. You know, I've got a time. You just need to slow down, chill out and calm down, you know, relax, you know, have faith in me, trust me, and uh, we'll get through this. So in Habakkuk 2.4, um, it says, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just, the just shall live by his faith. So here, you know, the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, they're, they're a proud people, and we see that a lot in the world, right? Or even in ourselves. There's a lot of Chaldeans and Babylonians, and sometimes we're the Babylonian. We can get very, very proud um, but pride trusts in itself, right? It doesn't trust anybody else. It just trusts itself. But the just live by faith. And what is faith? It is essentially trust in God, in someone else, in something else, right? But if we have pride in our hearts, if we're like the Chaldeans, we only trust ourselves. And, and what's that going to lead to? It's going to lead to what happened to Belshazzar. It's going to lead to death and destruction, and chaos. The Chaldeans are, they, they are actually going to win the coming conflict, but will later be judged severely. And that kind of sounds like the present day. You know, we see a lot, of, a lot of people gaining ground that we don't think should be gaining ground, um, but what we don't realize is they're going to be judged severely, right? Amen? So this time of trial will act to purify the Jews. So as they're under, um, you know, captivity from the Babylonians, they grow in purity. They learn to, you know, have faith. So what happens when, when we have a trial here on earth? You know, one or two things normally. You know, either we pack it in, we give it up, we lose faith, or, or, or what else happens? We gain faith, right? So the trials that the Jews are going to face are going act to act to purify the Jews because... You know, if you've read the Bible enough, you know the Jews have a lot of problems, right? I mean, it's just one problem after another. You know, you always have this very large group of them who just are not doing anything correctly, right? And so different, these different segments of captivity are also designed to, to purify and weed out the, the ones that are, are causing all the problems. And so this time will, will also act as a, as a way to purify the Jews, I actually forgot to give you some scriptures, but oh well. There's, uh, there's three scriptures, um, New Testament scriptures. Romans 1.17, you can write them down if you want to. Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, and Hebrews 10.38. And these are all about faith. The just shall live by faith. And here, you know, in verse 4, it says, but the just shall live by faith. And this is bridging the gap from the Old Testament to the New Testament. 
Um, and that, that's cool to see. Um, all these the scriptures that intertwine with each other, and, and Paul, in a lot of those scriptures, was you know, directly referring to this passage in Habakkuk, but the just shall live by his faith. And so that's a, that's a, a, a prophetic phrase that links the Old Testament with the New Testament. And so that's a way of confirmation, right? What I'm reading is, is accurate. There's, there's prophecy going on. You know, Habakkuk was centuries and centuries and centuries before Paul, and, and, and yet we're, we're seeing those things get, get linked with each other. So this prophecy through Habakkuk is one of a multitude of signs regarding the coming gospel message, right? That you have, you know, justification through faith. And that's, that's one of the central parts of the gospel. And that's, this, is a, this is an early indicator of what's coming, that, that the just will live by faith. So, you know, you may be under a present trial. I don't know if any of you are, but, you know, continue to have faith and you will live, right? You shall live by that faith. So faith during persecution is central to God's message, right? That is a central piece of God's message is continue to have faith even when you're being persecuted. And, and like I said, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, they won the initial conflict, right? So Jerusalem and the Jews once again fall into persecution. But I mean, ultimately, it's their own fault. But they fall into persecution, but God is saying, you know, I am going to judge them. You know, they're a proud people. But the Jews, you know, you have to maintain faith during this persecution. So Habakkuk 2.5. Indeed, because he transgresses by wine, and he here is the Chaldeans, but it's, it's also really a person. Like the Chaldeans are, are kind of a, it's a figurative person as well. Um, indeed, because he transgresses by wine, he is a proud man, and he does, not uh, he does not stay at home. Because he enlarges his desire as hell, and he is like death and cannot be satisfied, he gathers to himself all nations and heaps up for himself all peoples. So the Chaldeans were proud and they're greedy, right? We, man, we see a lot of that in the world today. A lot of pride and a lot of greed. And he enlarges his desire as hell. So as hell seeks to consume people, so does pride, right? He enlarges himself as hell. And hell is about consuming people. Right? Satan says, I, you know, I've come to, to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, well, he didn't say that, but that, you know, that is, that is it. That, that's what he's here for, to steal, kill, and destroy, to consume things. And that, that's what pride is doing here with the Chaldeans as well. It enlargeth his desire as hell. As hell wants to consume, so does the proud man. This man lacks moral fiber and is headed for destruction, right? So, so still steer clear and don't be that person. Don't be the Chaldean or the Babylonian. But how do we not do that? Ultimately, it's by keeping watch, right? And, and not only is that for ourselves, but it's for other people. Like Winston Churchill, like I said, he, he's keeping watch for other people. And that, that's what Habakkuk is doing, but if we're going to not be a Babylonian or a Chaldean, if, you know, if pride is not going to take over our hearts, we have to keep watch. So there's just a few things real quick that as a watchman we should do. And we see Habakkuk do them all. 
uh, in these first five verses. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. So by setting himself on the rampart, he is separating himself. So as a watchman, we should separate ourselves or we should get alone. And in verse 2, we see it says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. So we have to separate ourselves as a watchman, but also uh, being a watchman, we should communicate God's message, right? So separate ourselves, communicate God's message. And then one of the coolest parts of... Um, I say I gave you the wrong verse again. That's, I'm terrible with my verses tonight. Uh, in Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, if somebody wants to turn there, I'll just kind of tell you what it says, paraphrase it. Um, here at the, so he's kind of concluded all these complaints and stuff, and, and he's saying, you know, hey, this, this current season, you know, it's kind of bad. You know, I don't see a lot of good things happening. I don't, and he specifically says, like, I don't see any fruit on the trees, right? So what, is, what does that imply? You know, there's not a lot of good things going on. And what I'm doing, there's, I don't see any fruit with it. But at the end of it, he says, you know, but, but you know, you're amazing. You're awesome. You know, I'm going to remain faithful is ultimately what he's saying. And so we have to remain faithful. So as a watchman, we have to separate ourselves. We have to communicate God's message and we have to remain faithful at the end of it too. So, um, you know, being with you know separation, we have to separate ourselves along the wall, get alone with God. You know, like I said, as Jesus did, we have to get alone with God. We have to we have to separate ourselves, learn to live on little. So, how many of you know? Like the more that we have, the more we get distracted. Right? I mean, that's, that's, you know, we have more things to manage. And so part of separation is, is learning how to live on little. And also, living on little also requires faith. Right? So it helps us get to the end of the journey. You know, uh, separation and communication and then remaining faithful. So by separating, by separating ourselves and learning how to live on, on a little bit, you know, God's teaching us also how to be faithful. And we have to separate ourselves and seek the face of God and develop a heart for his people. So, like I said, we see the most important uh, things that happen in Jesus' ministry after he separates himself. Like, his miracles, uh, his, a lot of his miracles come after he's been alone with God and been separated. And so we need to, we need to follow that pattern. And get it, like I said, get a bird's eye view from the tower. Here, he, you know, he's saying, Habakkuk's saying, I'm on the rampart, I'm, I'm on the tower you know, and I can see things that are happening down below. But he had to separate himself from that, you know, from the people. We had to communicate God's message. You know, we had to be truthful, but we also had to be tactful with people. Sometimes it's more fun to be truthful. Amen? Like, it, it can be fun just to, just to be really honest with somebody. But, you know, part of making it plain, too, so that people can understand it is being tactful. You know, uh, teaching the truth in a way that's not going to condemn people, but in a way that they can understand, and it's, you know, going to help them grow in faith and help them live. You know, we have to explain things effectively and clearly to people, and um, Henry David Thoreau said, simplify, 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 
right? So, you know, live simply, but communicate simply to people, you know, so that they can, they can understand and they can apply it to their life. And, you know, I know I'm, I'm the one with the microphone and preaching right now, and Red's going to be preaching on Sunday, but, like, we're all preachers, right? Ultimately, like, it's, it's all of our job to, to communicate God's message, and, and we have to just do that clearly and effectively, and we don't have to have, you know, some supreme intelligence and understanding to do that. God's saying, just go do it, right? Just go do it. And that's pretty much the end of that one. But we also have to remain faithful. It's Habakkuk 3 lines out. Uh, pain builds character and endurance. You know, so even if we look around today and we see like Habakkuk's describe, describing in those last few verses that there's not much fruit on the trees, Right, so he's not seeing anything happen, but yet, you know, he remains faithful. And, and what is that going to do? That's going to build his character, right? It's character building, going through those trials. And, and I think about it like this. I think that, that the more, and I'm, I'm definitely not saying that you need to live a life that's, you know, not enjoyable or not fun or, or nothing like that. But, you know, the more that I can experience life like Jesus did, you know, the more pain that I can walk through, the more trials that I can walk through. You know, it's like getting an extra splinter from the cross of Christ. Like it's like every little ounce of pain or something that we can endure, it's like we're putting an extra splinter on the cross that we're supposed to carry. You know, so it's like we're understanding the heart of God just a little bit more. And, and that's what Habakkuk is, is, is learning here. Like, I don't see any fruit. I don't see things happening but I'm going to remain faithful, and I know that I'm, I'm beginning now to understand the heart of God. And so in order to be a watchman, we have to remain faithful. And in the process, we're going to understand God more. And so we'll be able to clearly communicate with people, and, and we'll learn how to separate ourselves and, and not always need to be around people, but we can separate ourselves and, and build our faith. So I, I thought about... Um, you know, having faith in somebody, like I had, a, I had faith in my college baseball coach. Like, how many of you, anybody play sports? Red. All right. All right, there we go. Yeah, so, you know, you have to have some kind of faith in your coach, right, Just, uh, hopefully. Or, he, you know, maybe he's not a good coach. But, you know, you have some type of faith in your coach. Well, I had a college baseball coach, and I pitched a little bit from time to time, and so, we had to run on the treadmills and like running consistently on a treadmill and keeping your heart rate above 125 beats per minute builds stamina, right? That's at least that was our target, keep it above 125 beats per minute. And I had faith that what my coach was telling me was correct. You know, I didn't know for sure, but he said, hey, run for 30 minutes, keep your heart rate above 125 beats, and you know you'll be able to pitch longer. You know you'll be able to throw more pitches. And sure enough, it worked. Right, I, I had faith, and you know that was painful, right? But that pain, what did I say earlier? Pain builds endurance, right? And that's what stamina is. That pain built my endurance, and that, that's how it works in our spiritual life too, or just in our life in, in the world in general. The more pain that you know that we can make it through. I'm, I'm certainly not going to invite pain. You know, I'm not an idiot. You know, we don't need to invite pain in our life. Please make me feel pain. That's just stupid. But the more pain that we're able to endure, the more that we become like Christ. Because ultimately, you know, he endured a lot of pain. And so the more that I can go through, I can understand him better, 
right? And to understand him is to know him. And man, I want to know the heart of God, right? That should be all of our, all of our hearts, man. I want to know who God is. I want to know what he wants me to do. And, and to, to understand that, we have to have faith in him and, and what he's telling us is correct. Like I said, I had faith and I believed what my coach was telling me. Um, you know, we have to push past our, our mental barriers. How many of you ever ran long distances? Okay, we had some runners. I ran too. So there's this thing called like a, like a runner's high, right? So when I start out running, it's just really difficult. I hate it. Like the first mile or two I'm running, it's just terrible. It's, it's just terrible. I don't want to do it. But like once I get to mile three, like whew, everything's out of my mind. You know, it's all washed out. And I can just keep on running and running and running and running. And I can keep on going. And, and that's, how, that's how it works here too. We have to be able to push past those mental barriers. And that runner's high is like faith, right? You know, once I, once I get to that area of faith, I can just keep on going and going and going, and I don't have, you know, I don't have to stop. There's no, there's no mental block. There's no mental barrier. But a lot of times we give up, you know, in those first couple of miles, and we're thinking we can't do it. You know, we're not good enough. I can't accomplish this. You know, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not breathing well. You know, if you're running, you're not breathing well, maybe. But God is saying, get to a place of faith where you know you can just keep on and keep on and keep on. If we give up, we're not going to be able to keep watch. Right, and we have to we have to be able to keep watch. So we need to push past those mental barriers. So you know, here in running, you know, I believe that if I could push past my own blockage, I could have great accomplishments. Right, and that and that that needs to be the the thought of our life. You know, if I can push past, you know, it's normally not people that are setting limitations for us. It's ourselves. Right, you know, we think that, you know, it's certainly not God setting limitations, uh, but we, we like to blame him. But we set limitations for ourselves, and, and that's not what faith is about. You know, there's no, there's no limitation on, on, on what we can accomplish, but we have to get past our own mental barriers. And, and if we're going to remain faithful, you know, if we're going to communicate God's word effectively to people, we've got to get out of that mindset. We've got to get the right frame of mind. All right, if you guys can, can stand, we're almost done. All right, Annie, you can come play too. So just a quick you know, call to action, as I call it. Um, tonight, ask God to show, to show you areas of your life that you aren't watching close enough. You know, and be, be like Habakkuk. You know, be honest with God. He already knows your heart anyways. You might as well tell him how you're feeling, right? So, you know, Habakkuk complains, and, and Habakkuk, he's expecting some big rebuke, and God never really rebukes him. You know, he just says, go do this, and, and Habakkuk responds appropriately. But, you know, tonight, ask God to show you areas of your life, you know, that maybe you're not watching close enough, and maybe that's a sin issue, or maybe it's just something that, like I said, you're just not quite doing well enough, and, and God will show that to you. Uh, spend a few moments now to, you know, begin getting past those mental barriers, you know, to the end result. You know, and once you get in that mile three area, you know, that mile four area, you know, I can, I can see the end. And really, though, you know, as I keep running, the end just, 
I can keep on going, you know, but get past those mental blocks that, and the limitations that we've set for ourselves because we're not going to be able to remain faithful if we limit ourselves. And if we can't remain faithful, we can't keep watch. And, and this week, you know, just rejoice in the Lord even if your vision is lingering, right? As Habakkuk in Habakkuk chapter 3, it wasn't accomplished yet. The vision was still tearing, but, and he said, I don't see any fruit on the trees, but yet, God, I know, I know who you are, and I'm going to remain faithful. So if you're in a season of life right now where you don't see the fruit, keep remaining faithful, because, you know, the night's coming, and it came for Belshazzar, where that was it. You know, God divided his kingdom. The, uh, the Jews were freed from captivity, you know, and, and that, that was it. So your, your promise is coming. It's, it's already been provided just remain faithful. So take a few moments tonight and reflect on that. Pray on that and seek God.